What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. The third to last NASCAR DFS podcast of the 2022 season. We are previewing the second race of the round of eight for the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Joey Logano got the win last week in Texas. Uh, I benefited greatly from that. I'm not sure how much DFS you played, Matt. I know it was uh, your daughter's birthday. Uh, but you know, I only played five lineups in the Chrome Horn, so I was 20 bucks. but turned it into 72-ish initially, but got a nice little stat correction that pushed me over 80 for a nice, like, 400% ROI. And I had Joey Logano, uh, the race winner, in three of my lineups. I was very fortunate that I avoided Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, the Christopher Bell debacle. I'm sure we'll talk about that. It's all anybody in the NASCAR community is talking about. But overall... Vegas was was pretty good for me. I did play light, but Sunday was a pretty beneficial day between NFL and NASCAR. That's why I have no complaints. But uh, what, I'm not sure how much you saw of Vegas. I'm sure you've seen the highlights. Uh, but what do you think? Um, yeah, I I didn't see all that much of the race. I saw you know a little bit of it. Um, Saturday was my daughter's birthday party, and then Sunday, um, you know. Uh, some of my best friends moved to Omaha, which is about 40, you know, they're living about 30 minutes from me. So uh, with the Chiefs-Bills game happening, he grew up in Kansas City. Obviously, I've been in the Midwest for like 17 years. So we got together to watch the Chiefs and Bills game, which basically took me out of watching the uh, the cup race. But I did see clips of Bubba Wallace and Larson and unfortunately Bell getting caught up in in that um, and I have mixed thoughts about the the suspension for Bubba. Um, I know Dale Jr. said the precedent is points, and that would matter more because they already swapped, um, you know, Bubba into the 45 to carry the, the points into the owner's championship and whatever, so the points would matter more to them than the actual race suspension. And Kyle Petty was completely on the other end of the spectrum with he shouldn't be racing again this year uh, because the retaliation is one thing, and then you shove a guy is another thing. And then the guy whose car you're in is now basically, for all intents and purposes, retired because of the safety, and you right-reared a guy um, into the wall, and you took out... And you're going about 180 miles an hour. Right, and you took out... Uh, it's not like he did this at Martinsville. Who's also in the playoffs. Um, so I probably fall somewhere in between um, a couple of race suspension probably would have been fitting considering the fact that that's what they gave to um, Kenseth because of the Kenseth Logano yeah. situation several years ago, which, by the way, happened at Martinsville, like you said. Um, so I don't know, probably about a two race suspension, I think probably would have been correct. Um, but it's also just not a great look. Like you, you've got to know that you're going to get heat for it. If you're Bubba, cause everybody gives you heat, even when you do things the right way. So did like, Larson even make contact with him? I wasn't even sure. I wasn't sure if it was just one of those things where he just got close enough to him that it just threw Bubba off his line or something? I think it's the fact that he drove him up, <clears throat> you know, drove him out to the wall coming off yeah. the corner, right? It's not the first time that Larson has done it. There's clips going around on Twitter of, you know, Larson doing that to people. But 
I don't know. It's kind of like the um, the Logano situation from earlier in the year with who was it? Byron or Bowman? Who did who did it uh, like Darlington when Logano just straight? Oh, uh, Logano drove Byron left. into the ball and into the wall, and he could have easily just passed him. He clearly had the right. faster car. He just he Byron just moved Byron out of the way, high off of the turn. Yeah, <clears throat> Logano retaliated, and that's basically the same thing here, except Papa added uh, the whole shoving deal. So, um. Yeah, my daughter was so one of my daughters. Her favorite driver is Bubba Wallace, so she was not terribly happy she didn't get to see him race on Sunday because she was like, "Well, he shouldn't shove people. That's not very nice." <laughs> like, very good, sweetheart. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought they could have come down really hard on him, and and for what it's worth, I guess you could call people could say that we're Bubba apologists. Um been very excited and very supportive of his tenure at 23XI with a pair of wins. This year, he's been awesome. There have been great strides in just watching him as a driver. But he he just took so many steps backwards just with this move. Because, you know, it's we've seen guys go into the right rear corner panel before, and it's it's just incredibly dangerous when you're going – 180 miles an hour and it just looked incredibly intentional i don't really care that you know he said his car broke in his uh in his interview but like no driver is just going to openly admit that they purposely wrecked a guy uh say that's not true actually the the last guy to wreck uh who the heck wrecked somebody intentionally a few weeks ago and then basically said yeah i did it intentionally well not not really but sort of like in the in the interviews, it was was it Byron? It might have been Byron. I can't remember. <laughs> Who basically admitted that they wrecked the guy, but didn't. But like, it. so I didn't really have an issue with his interview. But it's like you you can't just every pretty much all the actions that happen, like the wreck, the pushing and the shoving on a live track in the in the infield, uh, and then the half-assed apology where he he apologized for the confrontation afterward, but not. For actually, like the actual wreck, uh, I honestly thought that I didn't even consider points, and I thought Dale's point was pretty spot on. That would have really uh, hit the team at uh, for Bubba's actions. But I thought like a multiple race suspension or sitting in for their year, and then penalizing the team with points because that ultimately does cost them money. I thought if you, to really set a precedent for that crap to not happen on a mile and a half again or a larger track where they are going faster. I would have had no problem if they had come down much harder than just a one-race suspension. Yeah, and the point I most agree with with Kyle Petty was that he said, you know, Kyle Busch's crew is going to get suspended for four races because they had a tire fall off on pit road when they're going pit road speed under caution. Mm -hmm. The tire never left pit road. It wasn't on the racetrack when it fell off, and I get that you don't want to parse this rule because of the safety of it, but... If you're suspending a guy four races or his crew four races because of the potential danger of a wheel falling off, yet you have a guy who's intentionally using his car as a weapon at the most dangerous spot on the track when the car is the lightest and could go. Had Christopher Bell not been there, Larson probably goes headlong into the wall. That's good and who point. the hell knows what happens because you already have safety concerns with this car. 
And then he gets out on a live track and shoves him. And the angle from the stands, he shoved him pretty good. He it was actually a lot worse than like what they showed on the bro- live broadcast. Yeah, now I know Larson's not the biggest dude in the world, but to show it, he is tiny. Like he's like I stood next to him at Daytona. He's tiny. Like he's I'm I'm legit three. He's inches like five tall. four. He's five yeah, six. I'm, I'm like legit three inches taller than him, and I'm actually, not that big of a dude. It's too generous. Um, but to shove a grown man like four, four or five feet backwards <laughs> is a pretty good shove. Yeah. So that's the point I agree with Kyle Petty the most on is like the, just the the weird look for NASCAR about well you got a car going forty miles an hour and a tire falls off and nothing it didn't hit anything nobody got hurt or whatever. But then you have a guy intentionally using his car as a weapon at one hundred and eighty miles an hour and he gets one race compared to. Four, so but side note that also means that the uh, kyle bush will no longer have adam stevens as a crew chief for the rest of his career probably because he leaves <laughs> for rcr uh at the end of the year so um yeah vegas things got crazy what else do we expect it's vegas right it's <laughs> it was a solid race it, it was um i'm really not happy I can't bet in number like I could do offshores, but I, I would prefer not to. Um because I had a real good betting day on Pixwise because I had Reddick mentioned as the pole sitter mm-hmm. uh at plus seven hundred. I had Logano as the top forward at plus two seventy five, and then I had Logano as the winner at plus fifteen hundred. So that's like a twenty four point seven unit day. Um that that's I couldn't solid. take advantage of. <laughs> Uh, but we will turn our attention to uh, Homestead, Miami. Uh, one of the best races of the year. Yep. Uh, it's a shame that they can't put this track on the schedule twice because I, I don't like that. <clears throat> I like that it gets a playoff race. However, not enough eyes get on this because like so many people are just watching NFL and it's just the end of the NASCAR season. High time for NASCAR is really in the spring and the summer <clears throat> when it's really just down to baseball, um, which is a snooze fest of a sport in my opinion. Uh, but with this just being, it's, it's just, it's an oval, it's a mile and a half, but like the, the multiple grooves and, and just how many ways you can run this track, you can run the high line. There's, there's also tire wear that comes into play. It just produces some of the best strategic racing. Um, I think it's a phenomenal week for DFS. This might be the first time all playoffs and probably the first time in a few months since Maybe one of the road courses back in like July and August that I'm probably going to go pretty heavy DFS wise for this race, just because it's such a good strategy race. We get qualifying, we get practice. There's plenty of time to digest that information. We have all three series this weekend. I'm just, this is probably the most excited I've been for a NASCAR weekend. And we're finishing it up with Homestead, Martinsville and Phoenix, three of the best tracks for DFS and just for like quality racing. So I'm back in, going heavy this weekend. I'm very excited to uh, see these guys, I guess, run what is now considered the highest tire wear track on the schedule. Oh, except for Auto Club. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that but, one. How did I forget about that one? Um, but, yeah, I uh, I agree with you. It is my favorite track. The This is the track that puts um, the racing most in the driver's hand of any track on the schedule. Right? If you don't have a car that's set up all that well, you can still make hay here because you can drive a different line. You can, you know, if you are good at tire management, Homestead's for you. If you are a former dirt racer and you can, like, hit the cushion 
and not go over it and control your car when the when the tires are non-existent this is the track for you if you are good at intermediates this is the track for you so it brings everybody into play it is a, just a phenomenal track i really wish they would actually bring the championship back to miami um because it is the track that puts things the most in drivers hands and lets them sort it out uh, unless of course you're martin Truex with a pit crew that puts the tires <laughs> on the way um so yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it. It's an it's actually a morning practice and qualifying session on Saturday morning for Cup. Uh, interestingly enough, it's also an F1 weekend at Coda, and FP3 and qualifying actually happen after uh, mm. Cup practice and qualifying at Homestead. So I I found that to be interesting. Uh, those of you hoping to watch both races this weekend, you're going to have to have multiple screens because they're on basically the exact same time on Sunday. They're, they start within a half hour of each other, uh, right in the middle of the one o'clock uh, games for NFL. So I am very excited about this. You're right. We do get all three series here this weekend. Um, and yeah, I just I just really like homestead and the racing and look we've seen the next gen car go just produce excellent races at intermediate track so far like harken back to auto club with the tire wear and how awesome that was and kansas has been phenomenal both races and vegas had two very good races so like i think we're in for quite a show here this weekend with this car uh, the schedule for this weekend, uh, as I said, all three races or series are running Homestead. This is the penultimate race for the Camping World Truck Series uh, before it becomes the... Oh, man. What is it next year? Craftsman. Craftsman? Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Uh, Friday... I'm excited that that sponsorship is back because it's always just felt right being the Craftsman Truck Series. So practice and qualifying are on Friday for the trucks at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's when practice gets underway. Um, not on TV, which is kind of a bummer because I was either looking forward to trying to find a way to stream it while I was at work or uh, just recording it at the very least. It's So we're just going to have to go off what we hear on Twitter, unfortunately. Uh, and then 6 p.m. It's not on the app? It's not on anything. The NASCAR website says no TV. It's not on anything. It's infuriating because I, I, I purely – I just sincerely don't get it. I don't get how, like, Fox Sports can't just stream this on the Fox Sports Go app in any capacity. There's nothing else on at 4 p.m. on a Friday. Well, yeah, because you only have the NLCS. You don't have the ALCS. So yeah. the NLCS would be in Philly at that point, so it's got to be on Friday night. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't, I don't really understand the theory behind it, but whatever. No TV, practice and qualifying starting at 4 for the trucks. Uh, practice and qualifying at 6 p.m. for Xfinity. I'm going to try and do example lineups for both series. Now, granted, keep in mind, I do have to write essentially two playbooks for both series, Friday night into Saturday. Bear with me if I don't have playbooks. Um, not to mention it's a very early uh, UFC slate on Saturday, so I'm going to be a bear. Uh, but the truck series kicks off 1 p.m. Eastern time. The Xfinity series is at 4.30. 
I'll be in the Discord for the truck race. I don't think I'm going to be in there for the Xfinity race. I do apologize, but I'm going to go see one of my favorite comedians on Saturday. Looking forward to that. And then uh, the NASCAR Cup race, the Dixie Vodka 400 is 2.30 Sunday afternoon. High time during NFL, but do dedicate one of your TVs to this race. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's going to be, let me put it this way. The action on the track in Miami on Sunday afternoon will be far better than the action on the field in Miami on Sunday night. Um, you know, Tua's and, back, though. What? You got Tua back. Okay, but it's against the Steelers. Tua's back. The Steelers suck. Gave the Bucks a game last week. <laughs> well, okay, but that's a different... <laughs> that's, that's against a 45-year-old Tom Brady with no offensive line help. Right, um, let's dive... Uh, go ahead. Did you have anything else? No, I was just saying, like, you know, normal schedule for me. I'll have practice and qualifying um, stuff, you know, noted. And then playbook will come out Saturday afternoon, probably. I'll try to sneak it in there between watching F1. Because, yes, I'm still going to watch F1. I know the season is, you know, it's over. basically over. Cause no, it's not basically over. It is over. Verstappen doesn't even do race anymore. He's already champion. Well, okay, but he still believes he needs one more point because he he still doesn't think the fastest lap should have counted in Japan. But that's a different <laughs> that's a different can of worms. Um, I'm still gonna watch it. I enjoy it. It is also like one of my favorite road courses because it's Coda. Um, so yeah, I will have also F1 content for whoever wants to play. I doubt that it will actually uh, get a whole lot of attention, given that. The season's over, and it's against football and Cup Series. Um, and then I'll have, you know, price pick stuff out Sunday morning, example lineups Sunday about 90 minutes before green flag. So, you know, normal normal content flow this week. All right, <clears throat> let's dig in. Uh, I guess it's no surprise that the two drivers that this track caters most to, uh, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson, they are the most expensive options on DraftKings. Reddick is 10.9, Larson is 10.8. Looking at the rest of the $10,000 drivers, we have four more, uh, surprisingly. Denny Hamlin, I guess that makes sense. I saw him going off at like seven or eight to one to win. Um, he's 10.6, Chase Elliott is 10.4. I don't think I'm gonna play him very much. <laughs> Ryan Blaney is 10.2, and we're looking at a scenario. <laughs> it would be hilarious, especially with Ed Rouse. Ed Rouse will be covering for me on the podcast next week because I have to head out of town for work. Ryan Blaney is 10 to hasn't won a race all year. Every time it looks like Blaney's going to be a good play, he absolutely sucks. But he's still very much alive to win the Cup Series championship without winning a race this year. Uh, I think Matt Crafton did that a few years ago in the Truck Series. Uh, Kyle Busch is an even 10 flat. Um, I don't think that we necessarily need to do anything special regarding breaking down Reddick or Larson. If you want to elaborate, go crazy. I'm more interested in who you like in the 10K range outside of those two. But if you have any thoughts on the top two drivers, by all means, go crazy. I mean, it's pretty clear that the two best drivers at the track are the two highest-priced guys. Uh, Tyler Reddick has been absolutely sensational at the track, except for the time where he forgot that there was one more lap to go and then got passed. So he finished fourth instead of third. Um, But Larson's been phenomenal here. Look, dirt trackers are going to be good here. Um, it's just, it's just the way it goes. Denny Hamlin, I like a lot this week. I think Toyotas have been very good at intermediate tracks. 
this is a very good track for him. Um, he still needs some help to, you know, maybe winning a race is, might be the best way for him to assure that he makes, uh, you know, a title run. So those are probably my, I'm not touching Chase Elliott this week. I said, if you caught my segment with Pete Pistoni on NAS, on Sirius XM NASCAR radio on Sunday before Vegas, look, Chase Elliott in, intermediate tracks coming into Vegas had an average finish of 19.4 this year. He's not been good at mile and a half tracks. He just hasn't. In fact, Eric Jones has more top 10s and more top 15 finishes on mile and a half and intermediates than Chase Elliott does this year. In case you're wondering why I'm again high on Eric Jones. Um, so I'm not paying that much for Chase Elliott at this style of track. I will pay for him at Martinsville. I'm not at Homestead. Um, Blaney, I don't know, man. He's fast every week and doesn't get anything for it, just like Kyle Busch is fast every week and doesn't have anything to show for it. So it's kind of how the 10K guys break down for me, really. No, I kind of agree. I'm very high on Hamlin. Um, honestly, if Joey Logano was in the 10K range, he's just below it at 9,800. I think that there would be a fairly interesting leverage spot just because I think a lot yes. of people would be off of him strictly mm-hmm. because he won last week. There's this perception that drivers tend to just take their foot off the gas and just prepare for Phoenix. While that may be true, I do think that this is also a style a track that Joey Logano can perform very well at. Um, and he has, by the way, he won the championship on this track yeah. a few years ago. Um, and we saw Martin Truex Jr., by the way, win like every race in the round of eight one year because he just didn't want anybody else to clinch their way in. He wanted them to have to point their way in. So I don't see why Logano would take his foot off the gas at a track he's been good at. And I and like we saw Troy. him win a higher tire wear track earlier in the year. Yeah, he was very good at Auto Club. Well, he won Darlington. And Darlington, yes. All right. Uh, uh, speaking of Auto Club, uh, he was a dig grab a top five with a couple of dominator points as well. Um, moving down the 9K range, we have Ross Chastain at 9,600, Martin Truex Jr. at 94. William Byron is going to probably be a popular play because he has one here before, and Christopher Bell is 9,000. Um, in this range, I'm really digging Ross Chastain. Uh, he went through a bit of a cold streak to, I guess, kind of close out the season. Really kind of, like, found his groove. I, I do think that Trackhouse is going to be fast this weekend. He was second last week at Vegas, led 68 laps with 23 fastest laps. We're seeing him get back into that mode of – uh, finding speed again. Um, you know, he was great earlier in the year at uh, Vegas, and sure enough, he followed it up with a solid Vegas run last week. I think I really want to say that he was looking great at Auto Club as well in the first race, but then I want to say he got into a wreck and finished 29th. Yeah, I think his tire <clears throat> yeah. came apart. Or got caught up by somebody's tire thing. You know, very similar to Tyler Reddick, because Reddick had a great run at Auto Club and then had a poor finish where he dominated a bunch of laps. Finish wasn't there. So I'm, I'm there are so many drivers to like this weekend. I mean, I do have some guys that I don't have any interest in playing. But among these guys over 9K, there's a handful that I want to get exposure to. Yeah, by the way, Chastain is second in the standings right now. <laughs> That's awesome. The top four are Logano, Chastain, Chase. And Hamlin is six points above the cutoff 
Byron is six points out. Briscoe is nine points out. Blaney is 11 out. And Bell is 23 out. So nobody needs a win yet at this point. Those are all makeable uh, pretty pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I look, your argument for Chastain is fantastic. Um, he's had speed. He's found his groove. But coming. He's found his groove. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about that. Like I now, if he doesn't win this week and he's inside the cutoff, do not, do not play him at Martinsville. Why because that's when payback is going to come oh. to keep him out <laughs> of the championship. Point. That's a great point. If he doesn't win this week, but he has a good run, he should be above the cutoff like he is right now. And you can guarantee that the two dudes below him right now in the standings, and Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin, will pull a tag team routine at Martinsville, much like they did at Gateway, and ruin Chastain's night. So, um, with that being said, yeah, uh, I'm fine with yeah. Byron was sneaky fast at this track last year. Um, just kind of came out of nowhere and dominated that race. Well, that was such a weird race uh, because Chris Busher led a, a lot of laps, and then Byron took over and pretty much ran away with it from there. Yeah, it was it was a very unconventional Miami race in that we just didn't see the guys we thought would dominate it, but then we saw guys that have just proven on higher tire work tracks like they. They took over, and it was, you know, Busher, who I think can have a good day as well. And obviously, we've already talked about Byron. He's is he kind of in a win and he's in situation, or is there a way that he could still point his his way in? Oh, he could point his way in. I mean, he's only he's only six out. So let's put it this way: if he finishes second in the first stage, and Hamlin finishes eighth in the first stage, they're basically tied. And then from there, it just becomes if he finishes one spot better than Hamlin, he's in and Hamlin's not. Gotcha. Like, six is not is not by – like, Bell is out by 23 points. That's not even insurmountable. Let's say he gets, I don't know, 17 stage points and beats Hamlin by six points, six spots on the track, they're tied. Hmm. Like – it could be an absolutely bonkers Martinsville race if it stays if it stays this close. Uh, what's the read on Bell? How well do we project him to do? Um, we've commented on his playoff potential and his upside. Um, he has he won the Roval. He has three other top fives in the playoff races. Uh, did get screwed unfortunately last week. Uh, do we think that this is a an extreme bounce back effort, and could we see him just blow this race out of the water? I'm not entirely sure how good he is on these high tire tracks. I'm iffy on Bell only because of the tire wear. Like he's been very good at intermediates. You can make the argument he's been the most consistently fast Toyota on the intermediates this year. Mm-hmm. But on the high tire wear side of things. I think he tends to struggle to get the most out of his tires um, that they can. Now, I will say, and I have to go dig up this information. I saw it on Twitter. 
Um, I think Ryan Stevens had it out, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But he had he had lap times out from the Goodyear test um, that was held here last month. Yeah, um, I believe Ryan Stevens has has that Goodyear test uh, data tweeted out. Um, and Bell in the first testing day was. It looks like top, yeah, he was top five in speed. And then I don't believe he got back in the car for day two because you had like, if you had a four driver team, you got two cars and four drivers. So they took turns. Not everybody got a whole lot of um, laps, but it is something to pay a little bit of attention to. By the way, Denny Hamlin was top five in both uh, sessions there. Logano was. Second in day one and first in day two. Um, so if we want, if we want to go based off of tire testing data, um, there is that. So I don't know. I think I think Bell is a reasonable play. I'm not sure that many people are going to be on him uh, in this range, but uh, we'll have to see kind of how he looks and where he started. The sub nine k range, all the way pretty much down to. Uh, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of like question marks in the eight and seven k range that are just really jumping off the page as purely GPP plays. And the one guy that I am probably very curious to get your opinion on is Eric Jones because we've talked about the the discussion coming into the 2022 NASCAR season, especially for DFS, was no one really knew what to expect with the new car, and a lot of people were pretty much throwing out track history because. It it just couldn't apply in this car. Uh, Eric Jones this year has done very well on high tire wear tracks. Grabbed a top 10 at Vegas last week, which is kind of medium tire wear. Uh, he did win Darlington uh, back in September. Um, just scrolling back to, he was third at Auto Club back in February with 18 laps led and 23 fastest laps. Um, so as I've said, you know, pretty good on higher tire wear tracks this week that's what we're getting uh but if we're looking at track history in five races here he does have a third place finish from three years ago but he's also finished outside the top 20 four other times yeah uh so given what we saw last week from jones on a high tire on a relatively high tire wear track and just what we've seen from darlington and auto club do we expect him to be kind of chalky and a spot that we could ultimately just underweight i don't necessarily want to fade him completely uh especially if i'm doing 20 laps i at least want him in maybe two uh possibly three or four but i think this is a spot that we should aim to be underweight as much as it pains me to say i agree with you um i think look the the mo with jones the last few years has been to play him at tracks where he's steadily shown that regardless of equipment he can put up results right mm -hmm. that's what we've basically always said is he's bounced around he's driven for three different teams but in that same span he's done x y and z at this track so we can trust that it's his skill and not the equipment right that is not true at homestead he has a 21st 27th third <clears throat> 21st 27th in the last five races 
that 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 tells me he has not yet figured out this track. So, while he did win at Darlington, yeah, he's previously run very very well at Darlington. He's also won there prior to that. Um, Auto Club. I don't really remember how well he ran there because I think he only ran there maybe once or twice before this year because they took that two-year break from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, if he shows a bunch of speed this week, then I'm gonna be I'm gonna up percentages a little bit, but I'm still gonna aim to be underweight on him just because he just hasn't seemed comfortable at this track. Uh, who else? Do you maybe like in this range? I don't know what to make of Chase Briscoe. I'm not overly agreed. Excited about him. Uh, if he's offering PD, maybe I'll take it. Um, I think Austin Sindrick's going to get some play this week. <clears throat> See, I thought so as well. And I don't know if I'll get there, but I mean, I do like the price tag. Uh, I if I, if I I feel like if I like Logano, if I like Blaney, then I also have to like the setup for Sindrick as well. And he's the cheapest of the three Penske drivers. Obviously, has nothing to race for nearly on the level of Blaney or Logano. But still, Team Penske, I have to assume that they show up with the right setup. Yeah, I mean, he had speed last week, right? They all qualified very well at Vegas. Um, But also, at the Goodyear tire test, like, now that that's all over the place, everybody's talking about how they're basing bets off of it. Sindrick had among the fastest times. Well, like... Yeah, we can't forget that he's also raced pretty well here in Xfinity. So, um, I think I think he's going to get some play this week. I don't really know what to make of. I'm I'm with you on Briscoe. I don't think I really want to play him. Um, he just he just hasn't looked very good, very consistently this year. Um. Harvick, I don't know what, ha- what what happened to him. I don't know where the hell the speed went that they had earlier in the year, but it seems to have disappeared. Um, although he did he did get a, a decent run at times at Vegas. I don't think the finish necessarily matched where he was running. He he won Richmond, right? Like the second Richmond race. Yes, he won like back to yeah. And that's that's like a. That's relatively high tire, right? And he used to dominate Atlanta when it was old Atlanta. When yeah, I mean, track history here is good, right? But the problem is... You're just worrying about, like, recent trends? Like, Darlington... He fin- Now, I know he was very quick at Darlington and then the tire blew while he was leading. So that's a little misleading. But, like, 36th... Kansas, again, he had a tire thing. So the question is, do we trust the equipment? Do they have it set up right? Or is he just getting snake bit by tire problems? Bristol, he was 10th. Um, Texas, 19th. Talladega, never been his cup of tea. He was 29th. Then Roval, he finished second. And Vegas was 12th. That's okay. But, like, I just don't know if we can count on him to be the top 10 dude that we were counting on him to be earlier in the year is all I'm saying. Like, they've kind of seemingly slowed down some of late. Um, I kind of like Kozlowski this week. See, I like him. I'm probably going to like Busher, too. It's hard not to like Busher. 
Um, top 15 last week, sixth at the Roval, did win Bristol. Now, mixed into that amongst the playoff races are some finishes outside the top 20. Um, but what we saw from him a year ago, uh, I'm I'm willing to take risk at 6900 And Bristol, Keselowski's only $100 more, and I think I could jump on that as well. Now, this is impressive over the last five Homestead races. Yeah. Chris Buescher has an average starting spot of 20.2. He has an average finishing spot of 20.2. <laughs> Literally down to the decimal, the exact, <laughs> the exact same. Um, he's got, you know, he's run okay here. He's got three top 20. So if he's starting outside the top 20, I like him more um, for a little bit of PD there. Um, I do think he may be higher played than Kislowski. Simply because he's got the six in front of his salary instead of the seven, even though mm-hmm. it's a hundred dollar difference. Um, I, I think it's a mental trick for people that they'd rather spend sixty nine hundred instead of seven thousand. Um, nice. But yeah, I, I don't know the rest. Like I don't know what to do with Graxon. I don't know if I trust Suarez. Uh, I'm probably not going to play much of Suarez. I don't know what to do with Almendinger at this point. Like, the speed is there, to be sure, but... Can I ask you a question? Yes. How much stock are you willing to put into the practice sessions this week? Because they're probably only going to get, at best, what, a 20 to 22 lap run? At best. At best, yeah. And how much weight are we putting into that at a high tire wear track? Where you're not going to get to really gauge how good teams are in the longer run where tires are falling off. Um, I mean, if we get, 20, if we get 15 or 20 lap runs, I'm going to count it pretty, pretty decently. Because um, tires are starting to fall off at that point at Homestead. Um. I'd be more. I'd rather see like what the thirty lap run is. I mean, but we're not going to get that. In practice. You're not going to get it because you're not running thirty laps in a twenty minute practice session. Yeah. Because um, you're not turning. I mean, maybe, maybe you could. I don't know. Blaney didn't Blaney turn out? I thought Blaney turned out like thirty lap runs at Vegas last week. Let me see. See if I can find that data. Oh, it's going to be in my playbook. Actually, no, I don't think so. Yeah, let me see. Anybody run? Yeah, Blaney ran at least a 25 lap run at practice. He also ran a 30 lap run at practice at Vegas. So you can do it. It's going to mean you're not coming into the pits. You've just got to go out there and you just got to sit there and turn laps and not come in for any adjustments or anything. But they could do it. I mean, if you're turning 30 laps in a 20-minute practice session in Vegas, there's no reason you can't do it at Homestead considering the fact they're the same, the same length. So whether we're going to get enough to judge anything from it, Probably not, because I don't think I think Blaney was the only guy. Blaney's the only guy with a thirty lapper. I think he was the only guy with a twenty-five lap run last week, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah. Um, and only a couple of people put up 20 lap runs. Blaney, Sindrick. Okay, two dudes ran 20 lap consecutive runs in Vegas last week. It was Blaney and Sindrick. So, and maybe that's because they weren't concerned about tire wear. Mm-hmm. So maybe we get lucky here, but that would have to mean that everybody from every practice doesn't go into pits ever for any adjustment of any kind. <laughs> I don't know that that happens. All right, uh, moving on into the pure volume tier. Uh, some interesting names. Uh, Eric Almarola, I don't know if I can get there. Stenhouse is interesting. Uh, yeah. Justin Haley is probably going to be the most popular driver in this range. Five straight yep. races finishing in the top 15, um, seven straight in the top 20. So I don't really care where he starts. Yeah, he's if been he, in the top 20 every playoff race. Yeah, I don't really care where he starts. If he's getting a top 15, then he's an immense value. And the price tag is barely going up. He was 6000 for Bristol. Uh, 57 for Texas, 62 for Dega, 62 for the Roval, 58 last week at Vegas. And he's crushing value, and he's only 63 this week. The price tag barely went up. So, once again, you can go to Justin Haley as a nice little value play. John Hunter Nemechek at 6,100 in a car he has not driven this year on a high tire wear track. That's going to be a pass for me. Yeah, I'm not touching – I'm not – I'm not touching – John Hunter Nemechek. I didn't even want him when he was in the Cup Series full-time. Because <laughs> uh, there's a reason he's no longer in the Cup Series full-time. Um, yeah, Holy Justin shit. Haley, I'm with you. Um, look, in 12 intermediate races this year, Justin Haley's average finish is 17.8. Holy crap, Matt. What? Want to hear some NFL news? Sure. Christian McCaffrey traded to the 49ers. Is that real? That's real. Are we sure? Adam Schefter just tweeted it. It's not like a a fake account. Schefter, Jesus. So our buddy Ryan Hamlin is going to be unreachable for a while. Because <laughs> uh, Ryan Hamlin is a massive 49ers fan. Um, so, yeah. That's that's some serious news right there. Um, sorry, it's kind of got me. That's not where I. That's not where I thought he was going to go. I thought he was going to Kansas City, to be honest. Um, Apologies for cutting you off, but I just no. You're good. Actually. I'm going to go see where. Um, so at 17.8 average finish for Justin Haley this year. You want to you want to hear where it puts him basically in the realm of he's basically even with Kyle Busch. Because uh, Kyle Busch in 12 intermediate races has a 17.5 average finish this year. Yeah. The only difference is Justin Haley starting 20, basically 25th every race, and Kyle Busch is starting 14th. So I will take the PD from Justin Haley <laughs> and dodge the bad luck. Bad luck from. Um, and Justin Haley's average finish is two spots better than Chase Elliott's average finish on intermediates this year. Um. It's basically two spots. It's one whole spot better than Chase Briscoe's. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. I think the um, the lid is off on Justin Haley. You could basically put him in a cash game build at this point because he's one of only, I think, three drivers to finish in the top 20 in every single playoff race uh, this year. 
Uh, what other value plays are you looking at this week? I mean, I could maybe get behind Ty Gibbs. Um, the problem with Gibbs is that he always just qualifies so well. And then, you know, when you play him in a GPP, you're like, well, if he can just gain three or four spots, get a top 15, maybe sneak in a top 12. The problem is he's not doing that because he's qualifying so well. And so it's like you really just need him to qualify outside the top 20 to feel better about the play. Not very interested in Cole Custer. Um, Harrison Burton, it's hard to get excited about. Um, really, for me, in the value range, is that if you need to go cheaper than Haley or pair another value play with Haley, it's probably going to be this week for me. It's going to be Stenhouse, it's going to be Gilliland, or it's going to be LaJoy. And that's about all that I'm interested in this range. What about Ty Dillon? <sighs> I'm not saying for GPPs. I'm saying for no, cash. I get it. Bills. Yeah, no. Because he's never going to give man. you the massive upside that you need for a, a GPP. Granted, he did not have a very good Vegas race. I'll grant you. It's It's been, but he did run pretty well at Texas. He moved up 16 spots at Texas, mm-hmm. which is, as we know, a tire issue track. Um, he did move up at the Southern 500 at Darlington. So, you know, he, he had a pretty good race at Richmond. So, look, it's not sexy, but he is a guy that will keep the car clean. He can move up pretty decently. Um, and I'm just trying to see what he did. He had a solid, he had a top 17 run at Auto Club earlier this year. He had a top 20 at Vegas earlier in the year. Um, so, you know, and uh, Goodyear 400, the first Darlington race, or was that Atlanta? No, I think the Goodyear 400 was Darlington. Yeah, so he finished 12th at that one, too. Um, plus, he just got signed for full-time for 2023 uh, in the Cup Series. So, Inspire. yeah, so he's going to be LaJoy's teammate. That's a pretty interesting pairing there. So, Look, it's again not sexy. It's not for a GPP. I would say the other guys you mentioned I like as well. Perhaps a couple of them more for GPPs. But Ty Dillon's a guy that it you know, fifty seven hundred. You don't need much from a top twenty five finish. Well, right. not even that. Like it depends really on like. Right. If he's starting dead last and he finishes like thirtieth, you can get. Five. I mean, if he's if he's. If I'm going to play him in cash games, I will at least give him the pass. It's like at 5,700, I don't need 28 and a half points from you. I'll be happy with like 24, which is less than 5x value. But like if I have the right Dominator play or the other PD plays, if Justin Haley keeps finishing in the top 15, then I'm probably going to be happy with Ty Dillon just getting at least 20. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's all we really need from him, to be perfectly honest. Uh, any other strategies, advice you wanted to offer? Uh, apologies for throwing everyone off there. I guess well, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge trade. I have to yeah, see how this can affect my fantasy teams too, because I have CMC in a couple of leagues. Um, but for strategy here, I'm going to build a, a few lineups that are one dominator, and I'm going to build a few lineups that are um, a couple of dominators. The reason for that is if the trend for intermediates holds this year we should see probably two dominators, right? That's usually what we've seen at intermediates. However, 
the last few times we've raced at Homestead, we've seen one guy basically run away with it. Mm. Um, now, that being said, most of those last handful of races were for the championship. So you would expect one guy to be able to run away with it. Um, but it is a track where if you can hold your line, you can hold your line and pad a lead, right? Um, so that's kind of my strategy. The rest of it's all going to be, you know, guys moving up, uh, you know, for PD, kind of your standard intermediate builds. Um, I believe it's, what, 267 laps this week, if I'm not mistaken? It's 400 miles, yeah. Yeah. Um so there's a decent there's a decent haul here for for laps led. I don't think we're gonna see it be like the first Vegas race where nobody cracked like the ninety laps led mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's kind of how I'm approaching this week. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, remember, uh, next week is Martinsville. Uh, so if you're kind of creeping up on those laps led rounds on dk good opportunity to cash in there yeah there's a lot of them in martinsville (laughs) (laughs) the uh the last three races are going to be great these are great tracks the racing is going to be very exciting the drama is only going to intensify from here uh apologies for not being on next week edward edras will be joining matt but i will be back for the championship race in phoenix uh but matt with that said by the way ed rouse is a padres fan so there is a decent chance that if Blaney wins at Homestead and the Padres happen to knock off the uh, the Phillies, we could have a very excitable Ed Rouse next week. 